spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. Featuring oh. the Nasen XB, apparently. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to announce this puppy, because that's a thing. So, Max Mike Movies, two guys, a movie, and unspeakable crimes against pudding. On my left is the clown without frown, that thug about town, Max Levine. Exactly. Over here, speaking for himself like a big boy, is Mike Luce. This is our last entry. <laughs> you prom- don't you make, don't you cry, because if you cry, I'll start to cry. <laughs> it's our last entry in a little series I like to call Anthony, but which Max likes to call Guilty Pleasures. In this episode, we will travel back to the primordial, the time before time, 1977. My the God, film? Were people alive back then? No. I didn't think so. The film? Abraham Zucker and Zucker's Kentucky Fried Movie, but first, a little bookkeeping. Mm. How do you reach us? How do you tell us what to do? Where do you get off telling... Oh, no, 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 wait. You can write us directly at us at MaxMikeMovies.com. You can also visit our website, which is MaxMikeMovies.com. Hey, do you like to the Twitter? If you like to the Twitter, you can find us at Plort Max Mike Movies. Mm-hmm. If you like the Phoebe or the Facebook, as the kids are calling it these days, you can find our page at Max Mike Movies. Yep, we're also on Friendster and we're on MySpace. Uh, the MySpace people called? Yeah. Yeah, we've been fired. Oh, man. Yeah, we, oh, you didn't pay your God. bill. Uh, you're supposed uh, to keep track of these things. Oh my God! I've ruined everything. You're fired. How will we? How will we reach the millions upon millions who still use MySpace? Uh, MySpace. Is, can what? you actually get to MySpace? You know, I'm not actually. I, I thought you could. <laughs> hang on, brief, brief moment. Oh sure, we're uh, going to a web browser. <laughs> I, I, no, now, now I gotta know. I mean, I go to MySpace.com. Oh, dear gods, ah, I didn't know you whoops. could do that with oh, a horse. But our, ter- ah! our terms have changed. Involves the horse. The show. Anyway, so this week we are talking about Guilty Pleasures. The last film in our series is, in fact, Kentucky Fried Movie. Haven't heard of it? Well, that's okay. Um, the reason you might not have heard of it is it was not a particularly widely known film when it was released. Not so much. Um I want to say that it probably had a fairly initial limited release. Um, and I also want to say that um, the plot is very easily summed up. It's a bunch of short sketches. Yeah. We're done! Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to say that this kind of comedy was probably really put into the public eye because of shows like Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Second short, City TV. Second City TV. The short vignettes about things that are not connected to other vignettes that would appear later in the film. Yeah, yeah I, I want to talk about that a little later. I, I think there is a connecting, uh, an overarching theme to some of it. Yes, sex. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, that's that's it for the plot. Trivia, there's actually a lot. If you want oh, to yeah. go and look it up, um, there, there's tons. I'm going to pick out a few choice morsels that make their own gravy. Uh, the director of this film was John Landis. It's the second film he directed. The mm. first one was a film called Schlock, which I have not seen, strangely nope. enough, with a title like that. You think it would have flown to it like a like a, a thing that flies thing. to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other films that he directed include Animal House, mm. Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about oh, that boy. later. Uh, Blues Brothers, yep. American Werewolf in London, and the video for Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, and of course, Three Amigos. Yeah. <clears throat> 
There is a gorilla suit in this film. I'm sorry, a real gorilla. No. There is a gorilla suit in this film worn by a very well-known person in the makeup, the uh, fantasy science fiction film mm-hmm. makeup uh, world, and that's Rick Baker. Uh, he was testing out a suit that he was would end up wearing in the 1978 remake of Kink Conk, a film that we have mentioned many Nobody times. Nobody die. Nobody cry when Jaws die. When my conk die, everybody cry. Uh, thank you, Dino. Mm. Which... Strangely enough, was the name of the gorilla. Really? Yes. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Right. Uh, Abram Zucker and Zucker appear in the film many times Mm -hmm. in different roles, including in the courtroom scene. In in the the ashtray, in the fireplace. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. We've been there before. Uh, (laughs) Other appearances include Forrest J. Ackerman. For those who do not know, he was basically the proto-fanboy of every fanboy that ever existed. Uh, He was most known for his Acker Museum, Mm -hmm. which was the house in which he housed... Uh, his giant collection of science fiction film props, sets, memorabilia, memorabilia of all. Basically, before anybody was collecting this dip, this stuff, uh, Forrest was on set going up. Oh, mine, 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 mine. So things like the original time machine he owned, mm-hmm. uh, stuff from Bella Lugosi's Dracula. Did, didn't he own like a full size Robbie the Robot? I uh, that I don't think. I think oh, actually okay. MGM held onto it because that showed up in lots of other things for yeah, years. True. Um, but he owned everything else. Yeah, pretty much. And remember, uh, only you can prevent, prevent Forrest Ackerman. <laughs> well, he's dead, so yeah, you, well. you, you've you won. Yeah. Uh, Tony Dow, who was the original Wally from uh, the Leave it to Beaver show, sadly, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Beave himself decided that he didn't want any part of this. Well, well that's the, because, you know, he died in Vietnam. No, he didn't. Yes, that was he Eddie did. Ha- I read that. No, he didn't, and that was Eddie <laughs> Haskell who didn't. He became a cop in L.A. Anyway. Bill Bixby, uh, probably best known to superhero fans as the original Dr. David Bruce Banner, the Hulk on TV's 1970-whatever's The Hulk. Also, uh, Mr. Eddie's father on the portrait of Eddie's father. <laughs> Probably not remembered by much of anybody as Mr. Eddie's no. father uh, from the, the Brandon Cruz TV mm. show, uh, The Courtship of Eddie's Father and Mrs. Mm. Livingston, uh, uh, his his housekeeper. Why in the world we're going there, I'll never know. Mm. Val, I know you'll remember. There, you got a shout out. Are you happy? Uh, Henry Gibson, probably best known from Laughing, but uh, he's appeared doing lots of little Henry Gibson shtick forever. He's one of those actors, when you see him, you go, oh yeah, that guy. Mostly he's known for his little inspirational poems, which he would read in various things, Uh, which were generally pretty funny. Mm. Uh, George Lazenby, who has (laughs) the distinct um, pleasure, I guess, of being the most oddly named actor to play James Bond. (laughs) Once. Yeah, and I think, isn't he also the only actor to play James Bond once? Unless you count Casino Royale with Which nobody David does. Niven and Woody Allen. <laughs> I, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, hey, Bond fans, write us if we're wrong. Mm. All right. And lastly, but not leastly, David Sutherland. Uh, very David well- Sutherland? I mean, um, Donald um, Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Yes. Uh, you know, David's better known brother. You're fired. <laughs> I wrote David. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Sutherland has appeared in many, many films, Lots. not least of which will be uh, John Landis's next film, mm. for which famously he didn't take his oh, fee Lord. and has regretted it. No, ever. no, he did take the fee. That was the thing. Landis said, Don, you know, you're the biggest oh, he, name we've right. got. Take points. Yeah, he take says, points in no, a no, percentage no. of the movie. And he's like, no, no, you can just pay me scale. And apparently John Landis has this tradition of every year he calls up, this is apparently true, he calls up Donald Sutherland and tells him, hey, Don, here's how much money you would have made if you took the points. <laughs> You know, not, and of course, you know Donald Sutherland sits there crying in his enormous Beverly Hills mansion. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you <laughs> yes. know, uh, he makes Kiefer go and you know, yeah, 
count the money. Um, yeah, so there's some odd, uh, considering the budget, which was $650,000, which even for 1977 was minuscule, <laughs> there are some interesting cameos here. Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly the people that I just mentioned that actually had done things other than the Abram Zucker and Zucker pals, yeah. who would go on to make things such as Airplane and Naked Gun films, um, which would also rake in tons of cash. For those who don't remember, when Airplane came out, it was huge. Mm, massive success. It was, there was, people were making, you know, using it in their commercials. It was, it was, I remember People Magazine had some ads where they were doing the whole Robert Stack taking off one pair of sunglasses only to show the other pair underneath. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there was a sequel to this film, sort although sequel, of. sequel is a very mm. Mm, loosely defined term in yeah. this case. The only person that was making a reappearance uh, besides the general structure of the film, was the film's producer. So Abram Zucker and Zucker had gone off to do other things. So had John Landis, but the producer made Amazon Women on the Moon. Mm. That being said, you can definitely see the relationship between these two films. And Amazon Women on the Moon does have some good points to it, but it is yeah. overall not nearly as good as this. No. No, it's not. It's that being not. said, uh, <clears throat> the Irish did not find the segment Catholic High School Girls in Trouble to be very funny for certain reasons, so they had it removed from their prints of the film. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much trivia. Again, if you want to go look this up, there is lots of stuff about this, so most of it's fairly, you know, minute. One, of the th- one thing, if you actually get the DVD of a Kentucky Fried Movie, listen to the... Uh, the commentary track, which ha- which has Abram Zucker and Zucker, I don't know if Landis is there, but the three of them are really funny, and they point out things like, "Oh yeah, see that set there? Well, that was from that was my living room, or <laughs> that was a Chinese, that was a Japanese restaurant near yeah. us." Yeah, apparently some of the sets were built outside, even though they were interior mm. sets, so they didn't have to worry about pesky things like lighting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they weren't mm. they weren't dealing with things like plot either, so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's again, you know, there's more trivia if you want to look it up. That's what we have, yep. what we mm-hmm. think is important this week. Yep. And you only have to care about what we think. <clears throat> so that's the power of having your own radio show. Yeah. We're um, not on radio. Hey, NPR, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> if we you want to av- fill that fill that time slot. We are available. I mean, come on, Terry, who? We'll take 2 to 3 a.m. on mm. Sunday, afternoon, Sunday evenings. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. We'll do it. Anyway. The Lowdown. So, Max, mm. uh, I picked this film, yes. but yes. what was the first time, if you can remember, that you saw this film? I actually saw this film in the theaters. <gasps> yeah, I had to go with... Now, that film was R-rated. <gasps> like one of the earliest R-rated films I saw. Don't make the noise anymore. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> it's my only line. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I remember this, the sort of racy scenes making me feel funny. <laughs> Yeah, racy boy. That's uh... oh yeah. There's some very. There's some fairly. I don't know if I'd call it explicit because really. Yeah. Because, <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's there's a lot of heavy sexual implication. There's a lot <laughs> of female partial frontal nudity. Well, we so shall we talk about the full front on um, sex scene in the shower? So is that mm. not explicit enough for yeah, you? Yeah, it's pretty explicit. That's from the there's <laughs> the squeaking thereof. <laughs> one of the parody sequences is a it's a porn parody. 
called Catholic High School Girls in Trouble. And boy, are they. Yes, and there is a shower sex scene that's pretty explicit. It act- I've always wondered if that was actually lifted from an actual pornography and the sound effects added. If it hadn't been before, it is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you saw it when it came out, which was 1977, which yeah, means that, sure. let's see, you are... I was 14. 14. Mm-hmm. And who took you to this film? Oh, God, I have uh, no memory of that at all. Where did you sneak in? I do not know. Why I did am- you go? Uh, somebody said it was funny. And also somebody said, hey, there's naked ladies in it. They're ah. 14. Yeah, you go, really? <laughs> oh, no, oh, that's my man. It makes me feel funny. Oh. Funny in my special place. My transmission's magnetized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe I did. And uh, no, it wasn't about. It wasn't because of John Landis. I didn't know. Who, nobody knew who John Landis was. You know, as a film aficionado and being 14, I would like to see this John Landis film. Yeah. I can just see Max going up to the ticket office in that voice. Uh, Excuse me, dear lady. I would like a ticket to the latest John Landis film, please. I'm a fan of the John Landis oeuvre. (laughs) He's holding his finger up like a mustache, hoping that'll fool her. That was me. Then again, asking for the... Actually, I was thinking, I think I actually saw this at the Fresh Pond Theater. Oh, And as such... No, no. The thing that I liked about that is it didn't matter if it was R-rated or they didn't show X-rated. You got the money for a ticket, in you go. They, that God, they never cared. They never, hey, I want to say that to this day, they probably don't care. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, I think nowadays, actually, they're a little more careful because they're more carefully monitored. Oh. And uh, it's more of a big deal. Oh. Except, I, you know, now that they have these megaplexes, it is not exactly challenging to buy a ticket to, you know, Bambi goes to Hawaii and then walk over into Hardcore Heaven Part 8. <laughs> Which you know, we see two it. films Max is going to be making very soon. I got to check and make sure those names haven't been taken. Uh, I, I, I'd like to play Bambi, please. Nope. No, no, I'm sorry. You're going to have to play Wakahuka Lakahiki, the uh, Hawaii the Hawaiian character. I, you, I haven't decided what animal uh, your sidekick you're going to be because I actually don't know any animals that live in uh, Hawaii. Oh, make him a coconut crab, please. Make him a coconut crab. Oh, okay. He can be. He can oh, be a funny boy, singing, I... dancing coconut crab. I get to be a coconut crab. <laughs> Yay! Yes. Click, 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 click. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's annoyed Max already. Uh, uh, right. So Max mm, got to see it in yeah. the theater. Uh, I even if I had wanted to, would not have been able to see this. I was twelve. Um, I have no recollection of this film when it came out at all. Uh, I honestly don't know how I saw this. I'm sure it was on videotape somewhere. Yeah. Um, uh, quite honestly, now that I think about it, I think it was your fault. <laughs> I might have shown it. We showed it at the movie marathon at least once. Yeah, I must have seen it at some mm. point in the 80s somewhere on, on video. But I'm going to blame Max because he's that's, here. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to address your, your point of... It's true, this movie does not have a plot. It's a whole bunch of unconnected sketches, although every once in a while, like a character from one sketch, like Big Jim Slade, right. who shows up both in the sex record and in Fistful of Yen. And we'd have the little newscaster guy who pops up, right. who apparently uh, a certain person I, uh, had tried to audition for mm-hmm. that newscaster part, and it would have been, I think, more interesting for him than us if he'd yeah. gotten it. And that was David Letterman. Um, he somehow lost mm. somebody else. I don't know how, but it, whatever. Yeah, it's not exactly a major part. It, the character shows up like three or four times and has one line. Right. It's all things like, Moscow in flames, missiles headed toward New York, film at 11. Or the even shorter, mm. quote-unquote, skit, mm-hmm. I'm not wearing any pants, film, film at, at 11. 11. You know, so, mm-hmm. Anyway, so your, your the point. The overarching... There is a connective thing. It's all about every sketch is some form of like media. It's all making fun of movies, TV commercials, TV shows, or in like one case, records. 
Yeah, um, I guess so. That's it's a pretty loose knot that's mm-hmm. barely tied. Yeah, no, it's it's oh god, it's not like a powerful overarching thing, but it is a relate. It does relate them, which I always thought sort of it does really show how much it owed to Saturday Night Live. A lot. Of course, you got to remember it only came out two years after Saturday Night Live existed, so it's not. I don't think. And as movies take a while to get going, I don't know if they actually knew anything about it. I don't think they took a lot of time to shoot it. So I think it's fair to say there was at least a full season of Saturday Night Live, if not two, by the time Mm -hmm. they started filming this. Interesting thing, I watched some of the earliest uh, Saturday Night Live seasons a while back. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so the Saturday Night Live that we all remember with our rose-tinted hoosie what's-its, um, with Gilda Radner and all those great sketches and stuff. Yeah, first two seasons, not so much. A lot of singing. Um, the musical guests on Saturday Night Live have always been top-notch. Oh, yeah. And they've always, even from the beginning, they'd get people like Paul Simon and stuff to mm-hmm. just be on. But the first couple seasons, there was a lot more music than there is now. And the sketches were um, um, not great. Some of them, I, I disagree. The Super Bassomatic was from the first two seasons. That that Super Bassomatic seventy six was, was from per- season two. Weekend Update started out pretty funny, but mm-hmm. there was lots of time where there was nothing. The show was still finding its feet. It was an experiment, and <laughs> some would say that it's still trying to find its feet. Oh no, its lo- its feet have been lopped off at the <laughs> hips at this point. Every uh, once in a while, every yeah. Uh, no, I know it's not fair. I know it just makes me a grouchy old man. Once in a while, they still hit one. They still do stuff that's pretty funny, and they still get some really funny people. Some. Yeah. Kate McKinnon, she's terrific. And I'm out. <laughs> no, no. That's, I, could, that's I couldn't there name anybody that's been on Saturday Night Live for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. um, probably. I mean, all the big, really famous ones have. Well, I guess Will Ferrell was I watched it since, I've been watching it since 1976. I and he's still the, waiting. I, I missed the first season. <laughs> Uh, then, of course, I saw it in reruns. You're not a real TV. fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I never stopped, even through some very bad patches in Cleo. Some of them last for a year or two. Some of them have lasted for, oh, 15 or 20. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's something else. But, uh, yeah, the where it's sketch comedy. Is it something out of uh, Second City TV or, if anyone remembers, Fridays? I know that it happened. Yeah, but that's really all you need to know. They basically Fridays, they... it happened. <laughs> Friday, so they they brilliantly decided, hey, our target audience, they won't be home, so let's put a show on just for them yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I want to say, didn't this, would, would you also say, because you're a lot more knowledgeable about this, would you say that this either led to a resurgence or interest in stand-up comedy, or it was the other way around? Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's hard to say. I mean, if you go just by chronology, I mean, Saturday Night Live or this movie? No, Saturday Night Live. I think Saturday Night Live helped with that because the the real, what a lot of people, including me, consider the golden age of stand-up was the 80s. That was when it went huge and comedy clubs were growing up like mushrooms everywhere and you had the big chains appearing like Catch a Rising Star, the Improv, or Knuckleheads. And, and uh, I think some of it was because one of the things Saturday Night Live did in the early seasons was it just took stand-up comedians and said, hi, hey, here's this weird-looking guy, Richard Belzer. You want to come out and do, like, five minutes? Or here's uh, Franklin Ajay. Or, hell, here's this here, here here's this odd family-friendly com- comic named Andy Kaufman. <laughs> and it's like not like, oh, we're going to have you do a sketch. It's like, no, you're going to come out here and do 
That's the first place I saw Harry Anderson. It's the first place I saw a lot of these people. First place I saw George Carlin. And of course, what interestingly led from that. So, if if the chronology is correct and Max is correct, which he usually is, mm-hmm. uh, we have shows like Saturday Night Live, Second City. Then we have people going, we want more of this comedy thing. So these comedy clubs start springing up. And then what you get is you start getting award-winning sitcoms and other shows based on the stand-up material that mm. these people are making. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say if I could say for sure that there was a direct cause and effect. But I think there had to be some. I think it had to be a, a, a factor that people say. Hey, people are suddenly going, you know, executives and such are going, hey, what do you know? This stuff makes money. Yeah. And, you know, some people will sit there and point to shows like The Cosby Show. We're not going to point there for very long. Yeah, no, no. But, but Or Seinfeld. Or, Seinfeld. But I'm going to take it a step back because one of my favorite sitcoms uh, ever is the Bob Newhart show. Oh, sure. And, and Bob Newhart was a stand-up comic. That yep. was what he did. And he kind of basically took his shtick and just moved it into the Bob Newhart show except he became a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of this stuff does seem very connected. Yeah, and but, I, but he also goes back further. Milton Berle had a TV show. Sure. He was he was a stand-up. Well, he would, didn't he come from vaudeville? Um, yeah. Well, he came from like uh, the tail end of vaudeville. Well, a little bit the tail end of vaudeville. Really, what he came from was the Catskill comedy uh, circuit oh, okay. up, up in the Catskill resorts. You know, now, performing for my people. All right, so we're we're obviously delving deep here. But yeah. would you also say that 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 was probably including people like Carl Reiner? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Carl Reiner, Henny Youngman, all these guys. Probably Sid Caesar, all that guy. Pro- I don't know. Sid Caesar, yeah. I think he was influenced by it. I don't know if he ever actually. <laughs> Just alienated anybody under 50. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so Max and I are rather <laughs> old, so you'll have to bear with us. We it's liked horrible. a lot of jokes about mastodons. Oh, and I love those ether frolics. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, but I, the reason I bring up people mm. like uh, um, Carl Reiner, mm. who is uh, probably best known to anybody under 60 uh, as the inspiration writer creator of the Dick Van Dyke show and that Dick Van Dyke show was actually about or well a fictionalized version of him having written for the Sid Caesar show in the 50s um, and of course, a number of people got their big start there. Dick Van Dyke, yeah. who had done, uh, I think, Bye Bye Birdie, and that's why he got the Dick Van Dyke show, mm-hmm. which was a big Broadway show, and later on on to do things like Mary Poppins, yada yada. Oh, and uh, what was a dreadful. Um, uh, detective show he did uh, it wasn't Matlock. It was uh, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, uh, he was on. A, he remember. was a detective. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Mary Tyler Moore, who went on to do everything, but all of this this stage stuff. Actually, we were actually going back to vaudeville, which is what led to films in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, so actually, we're being very erudite. Oh, yeah, I think right. the MCs, of course. We am smart. Yes, we have um, very considered opinions mm-hmm. all the time. Of course. We also haven't talked about the movie for the last five years. <laughs> Fart jokes. <laughs> um, yeah, so Kentucky Fried Movie, you can see where it fits into this chronology of humor. And also, I wouldn't say that it really inspired much on its own, but it mm-hmm. did, did give Abram Zucker and Zucker... That was their big start. A huge... So, as I said, $650,000 for the, was their budget. Their final take on this film was $15 million. <laughs> I don't think you get much better a percentage-wise Hollywood success story than that. That was pretty that. impressive, that yeah. one. The thing is, the humor is in some ways very dated. The humor is also in some ways very infantile. Yeah, <laughs> and it's all, and some of it is also incredibly inappropriate. And nowadays, you couldn't get away with it because no. I'm talking, of course, about Danger Seekers. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Which is, was, and uh, I, I will tell you, that's it's a, a takeoff on those sort of daredevil shows and those. Oh, here are guys who seek out danger, and they have this this character who's going to show them how. What a what a daredevil he is, and he's wearing a jumpsuit like Evil Knievel, and he's got a helmet. And uh, his stunt is he's 
near a rail in like near railroad tracks he goes over and there's a group of african-american gentlemen playing dice which is in itself a yeah, problem yeah and he walks into the middle of the game throws back his head and screams the n-word and then runs and off. then runs off and they chase him right. that is the entire joke it don't work so good no more. If you can't hear it, I am slapping my knee right now. Yeah. Har yeah. har. But, um, but not just that, not simply uh, offensive, but there's, they do an admittedly brilliant, I think, parody of a board game commercial, <laughs> which is called Scott Free, which yes. is entirely based, even though they don't quite say it, but it's, you know, you would have to pretty much have a massive head injury not to get it that they're talking about the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> and the whole point is you're trying to get off. You've just, your team has just assassinated the president. Can you get off, off scot-free? <laughs> and it's clear that they've just repurposed a Monopoly board right. and a couple of other things. And they're moving a little coffin as, yep. as one of the, the characters. One of, and one of the others is like an, a, a sniper rifle. Yeah. It's tasteless. It's funny as hell, but it's tasteless. I think you could still probably get away with that. Um, yeah, ex well, except, you know, it, it's not topical. It's really not topical. No. And most pe most younger people, they don't know what a whole thing the yeah. Kennedy assassination was. How many people have, these days watch uh, Oliver Stone's JFK? Was that a movie? Uh, that was about three movies, but yes. Ah. Oh, that's right. Back and to the left. Yeah. Back yep. and to the exactly. left. Okay. So, exactly. I like, there's actually one quote in that that I, I don't ever remember having heard before. Oh, huh? Um, and it was they were talking about uh, the Zapruder film, and oh. suddenly they go. Uh, Unfortunately, the Zapruder film shows certain things, but Life Magazine buys the Zapruder film. You buy Life Magazine and show the frames out of order. That is actually what happened is initially. They, oh, interesting. They okay. showed, yeah, they made it much more. Somebody made it much more confusing. They, some people say it was an accident. Uh -huh. I think it was aliens. <laughs> Conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Why don't but, you write us at yeah. us at Mac But the, they do have some. They, Yes, draw. Yes, draw a random chance card. Oh, good. Good luck for you. Twenty-two material witnesses die of unnatural causes, <laughs> and that's the disturbing thing. Is just about everything that they bring up as a gag is kind of what happened. I'd like to say that that's probably their best written gag of the entire film. It really flows very quickly. It's very sharp. It. I think that's one of the reasons I like it is because mm. it's so sharp. Um, the little news things are fun. Yeah. And the nice thing is, is that they know they don't have much material, and so they do them quickly and get them out of the way. Some of the sketches um, don't work. Some I of them don't, but there's also some throwaway ones that I actually like because they're so absurd. There yeah. is, one of the shortest skits in the film is, what is our little skeptic doing now? She's frying the cat in pure Nesson oil, <laughs> which is a parody of that you know old Wesson oil commercials. Which nobody remembers, no. but that's it. They mm -hmm. don't even try to advertise the oil. They just no. do it. They show the young girl with a cat in a pot <laughs> trying to hold it in. And yeah, it's going, pretty horrible, but it's funny as hell. Yeah. So things that don't work. Mm. Uh, the guy getting into the car, it's actually one of the Zucker brothers. Right. And there's no dialogue, but the car alarm is going off. Obviously, this was in the early days of cars making noise when you didn't. Uh, and it's like, oh, I haven't locked the door. Oh, then it, it won't, still keeps going. It's like, oh, I have to put the seatbelt on. It still keeps going. And it's like, oh, I haven't zipped my fly up. Zip. And then the alarm goes off. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously this was one of those things that was better on paper. It's just not, it doesn't hold up that well. No. But sadly, it actually holds up. 
better than a lot of sketches on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, on the other hand, they brought us the brilliant Jeopardy uh, parodies yes, with Will Ferrell and whoever plays Sean Connery. I never remember his uh, name. It's Daryl Hammond. Uh, yes, those are great. The so. Celebrity Jeopardy. Look them up, look them up on YouTube. Don't, you don't have to bother watching the show. Just no. look up SNL Celebrity Jeopardy. They're hilarious. Unfortunately, also, I'm going to point out one that it's hard to get through. Partially because of its length. Oh, yes. So a full half an hour of this film, which I think is barely like this an is, hour It's an and hour and 27 minutes. Yeah. It's, so it's like that and 30 third, minutes of it. Yeah. 30 is this minutes. film is a parody of Enter the Dragon yeah. by Bruce Lee. Now, that being said, it is a very well done yeah. parody of Enter the Dragon. It just really needed to be edited. It did. It drags. It's got some good jokes in some, it, but yeah. it's slow. Some of it is funny. It's very slow. It's very long. And honestly, a lot of it, if you had not seen right. Enter the Dragon, would just go right by you. It utterly requires that you have some knowledge of that film. It mm-hmm. doesn't work. And because it's so long, it is utterly unlike all of the other sketches in the film. The yeah. rest of the sketches in the film are usually five minutes or less. Some of them much less. So the film kind of does... And this is it one of the reasons... It to a halt. Yeah, this is one of the reasons we call it a guilty pleasure because mm. it is far from perfect. Yeah. As Max has pointed out, some of the humor is, shall we say, crude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although... Even some of the crude humor, like one of the opening bits is there. This is company Argon bringing, you know, the uh, the oil of the future. Uh, they're showing various ways that they're going to reclaim oil, such as by pumping it from the faces of uh, teenagers with acne yeah. uh, and, and fried also, foods. Oh, and, yes, and, rec- and one that I'm sure the Italian-American community oh. didn't appreciate was... They were over in Italy reclaiming oil from used Italian combs. Yeah. And my Ouch. favorite part when they were showing just a restaurant and you could overhear what was going on in the bathroom, they were going to reclaim a lot of natural yeah, one gas. One trillion cubic feet of natural <laughs> gas. Argon, we're doing our best to keep hold of your money. <laughs> that I did like. That's the closing. Um so this is not I mean, guilty pleasure you can tell this film cost fifty bucks. I mean it and yeah, the sets are, are very paper thin. Um, the actors, such as they are, actually, the actors generally do a decent job, especially since most of them weren't paid anything. Mm-hmm. But this film lacks a lot of polish. Yeah, and what eventually these guys would be known for was parody. That's like that's pretty much their shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, Airplane was based on a film called Zero Hour, which I have not seen. My mm-hmm. sister has seen it, and she says you need to watch it. It's funny on its own. Yeah. But it's also a parody of all of those 70s and 80s disaster airport movies. Yep, Naked Gun movies, which were parodies of Dragnet and virtually every other police show. And the be- one of the best things about me for, for Naked Gun was that Naked Gun... Uh, which was originally based on a show called Police Squad. Police Squad was a summer replacement series. Something yeah. else had got canceled. And they were like, yeah, well, we have this show. We could do you six episodes of this thing, Police Squad. Yeah. And, and the, whoever the network was said, yeah, whatever, that's fine. And it was hilarious. It was really funny. I think one of the reasons it worked so well is they were half-hour episodes. Yeah. If you haven't seen them, look them up. One of my favorite bits is, this week's guest star, so-and-so. And they were big names. People wanted to be honest. <laughs> William Shatner, every single guest star <laughs> dies in the opening credits. Yeah, that's they're it. Never actually in the move in the show, and they usually don't even say anything. I, and they also have this great thing, which a lot of people have parodied. Of they have, you know, you hear the voiceover say tonight's episode, and the name appears on the screen, and whatever the announcer says is nothing like what appears on the screen. Yeah. It says like you know tonight's episode, and it says you know death, death by fire, and the announcer says tonight's episode, oh murder most foul. Yeah. So I want to say that it came out after at least Airplane. 
Um, I'm I not sure so. if it came after Airplane right. 2 or not, but basically the guys were hot, and yeah. they had this show that they could put together for mm-hmm. very little money. This actually also brought back the career of a certain Hollywood leading actor who is not getting really parts anymore, and that's mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, he was known before this for mostly playing cowboys and uh, heavies. And and or romantic leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually is the main star of one of my favorite all-time films, which is mm-hmm. Forbidden Planet. Uh-huh. He, he plays the, the captain of the C-57D, yep. a ship whose name I have, in fact, won something in a trivia contest for knowing all these years. Um, but he, you know, wasn't getting roles. This was the early 80s, and his uh, career was, was somewhat flagging. I think the last time I had seen him before this was in an episode of Columbo. And uh, always serious. Mm-hmm. And they brought him and said, like, basically, we need you to do comedy. And I don't know what Leslie said other than, oh, I'll give it a try. He was great at it. So yeah. much so that they made, what, three different Naked Gun three films? Three different Naked Gun films. And then, unfortunately, they made things like Dracula and Lo- Dead, oh, no, Dead and Loving It. I think so. Oh, I thought there was Or maybe no it was rubs. just Leslie doing that. He was in it, yeah. yeah. No, he ended up doing, oh, God, and he did Repossessed, oh. which was a terrible movie, a parody of The Exorcist. The, with him and, oddly enough, Linda Blair, they actually got her. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, it's not exactly. She was very terribly busy. (laughs) Miss Blair was, uh, yeah. Um, Did they have anything to do with Hot Shots? Was that them too? Yes, I think they did. Didn't they lose a Zucker or something? Yeah, they lost Abrams. I think just the Zucker brothers did. uh, Hot Shots. No, no, sorry, Top Secret. Top Secret. Yes. Okay. And then Hot Shots and Hot Hot Shots Part Deux. Part Deux. That was at least two of them. Yeah. And, you know, I think that their style of humor played itself out. That being said, there's no reason not to go back and watch it because some of the stuff yeah. actually is really funny. Oh, that was the thing. Uh, one of no, J, Jim Abrams of Abrams Zucker and Zucker, he wrote uh, Hot Shots. Okay. The other two, the Zucker boys were not involved. I Giving Charlie Sheen something to do. Yeah, well. Uh, that wasn't as um, questionable as some of the other things that Charlie Sheen has done or yeah, perhaps yeah. will do. Um, so, yeah, this is not a polished, perfect pearl by any means, but. Uh-huh. It is fun. Max and I have been quoting it for years. Um, it's it's probably hard for our younger listeners to watch because there's a lot of references that we don't even realize are references because we grew up with this stuff in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, sort of etched in. Yeah, so I'm, it's, it's a tough film to sit there and go, you have to see this amazing film. Yeah. Oh, it was very, actually very hard to say that. Yes. Down in the throat. <clears throat> but it's a film that I think that has made us laugh enough to to be considered one of our favorites in the, in, yeah. in the guilty pleasure thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sketch comedy. We've talked about lots of different things. What other things come to mind when you think of Kentucky Fried Movie? One of the things that struck me was in the, uh, the Enter the Dragon parody, Fistful of Yen, the main villain, and I have to actually look this up because I always get his name wrong. Dr. Klon? Yeah, Dr. Klon was played by Bong Su Han. Bong Su Han, who, as you can see from this, is not perhaps the greatest actor. Mm. He is one of the world, or was one of the world's foremost masters of a martial art called Hapkaido, which actually shows up in a movie called The Presidio with Sean Connery and Mark Harmon. You mean The Presidio? Yes, The, the Presidio, <laughs> that's right. I'm one ping only. Some Hapkaido here. <laughs> yeah, he was a, apparently a just world-class martial artist 
Apparently, one of the magazine big I can't remember if it was Time or Life or whatever mm-hmm. at the time actually congratulated the filmmakers for the uh, very well done dubbing for that character, um, not realizing that they in fact didn't dub him and used his own voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts, and I did it's in the trivia. I didn't include this, but apparently at one point they just needed him to speak his ostensibly Chinese, but was actually his native language was mm-hmm. Korean in the background. And they basically just said, just say anything. So one of the things he's known oh, for saying yes. is I apologize to my Korean fans for just saying nothing in Korean. They made me do it. <laughs> he also, I, I remember seeing him late, year, only a few years later in 1981 in a terrible martial arts action movie called force five where he plays essentially the same character. Instead of Dr. Klon, he's Reverend Ree. Oh. <laughs> I won't do it. No, I won't. don't. Please it's don't. standing right there. No, it's right in my face, but alone. I won't do it. Leave it alone. Terrible... I'm sorry, what was his name again? Reverend Ree. I see. Okay, moving yes. on. Yeah, I have to say there's one thing in, in uh, Fistful of Yen that's a little mean, and that is the main character who is based on Bruce Lee, and this is Mr. Lou. Yeah. They really make fun of of the slight speech impediment that Bruce Lee had in English. Well, except that what I thought of is that they were they could have made the obvious joke about the R's and L's and you know. But that wasn't the problem they, he had. Well, I don't remember Bruce Lee having that. I thought they were just doing Elmer Fudd. No, Bruce Lee had some trouble pronouncing stuff. That's why oh. in a lot of the English versions of Return of the Dragon or. A game of or any of the other one. Well, game of Death doesn't count because he's not really in it. But they used to dub him for the American version because his English wasn't very good and he had a little trouble speaking. And they kind of make fun of that in this, where the character does talk like Elmer Fudd. This is not a charade. We require total <laughs> concentration. <laughs> I weighs my finger like this. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to take a little side trip here a little a little field trip we're gonna be talking first yeah i know right yeah. uh why keep on track when we don't have to yeah um so martial arts films of the 70s um mm. they are a certain special kind of fun um <laughs> you can probably find them in like the dollar for the dozen dvd box set things um some of them are actually a lot of fun now wait are you talking about the ones that like they tried to do here no or i'm the, talking okay, about the actual like the, the actual the shaw Hong brothers yes, kind of run run shaw yeah. all that stuff yeah um actually yeah and you know five white lotus flying uh-huh. or whatever the five de- deadly venoms stuff like that oh yeah boy there's a, some stuff that's just really really fun mm-hmm. it is not meant to be taken seriously um, we've come across it here and there. The 70s seemed to be like whatever. They would just film whatever. <laughs> there was lots of wire foo. Um, but Game of Death, which was a Bruce Lee Ooh. film, was made mostly after he unfortunately died. It does, however, have my favorite... I don't know what to call it. Do I want to call it a cinema goof? Do I want to call wishful thinking? What? So what happened is, is they had all of the action sequences. They had Bruce. He was in his... Um, Yep. Very, very stylized and very iconic yellow jumpsuit, which was later used mm-hmm. by uh, Uma Thurman in yep. um, uh, Kill Bill uh, Kill Volume Bill. One. Yes, that's the total reference to that. Yep. Um, but they didn't have any of the plot shot. The, all they had was the fight scenes, yeah. and that was that was the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar stuff. Yes, it? yes, which is amazing because yeah. Kareem tops him by like a foot and a half. It's an amazing he, fight scene watching Bruce Lee fight Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was his, his coach. student. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you'd think, oh, he's got all this reach and all this strength, and it is like I don't know, like 
a house fly and a spider. And it's amazing to watch. And Bruce Lee's yeah. amazing to watch anyway because there's no sped up film. There's none of that crap. No, they Everything have to slow is real. It down, if anything. He's too, he was actually too fast for some of the film to capture. Right. Um, and, and I would say a lot of American action films were heavily influenced by the few films Bruce Lee was actually oh, able yeah. to make. But Game of Death had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really have Bruce Lee. Yeah. So there were two solutions to this, and neither of them was in any way convincing. One of which was they just put a pair of ski goggles on the actor who was not Bruce Lee, figuring that would work, which, to be fair, Bruce Lee does wear ski goggles in a couple of the fights. They briefly. also did try, they tried the, oh no, we have to, you, your identity has been blown, Agent so-and-so, we must, must give you plastics, we will fake your death and give you plastic surgery, so you look sort of similar, but not really. That's not my favorite part. Yeah, my favorite part is part. he's in it's a Ben's mirror, room right? somewhere, yeah. and they have the actor, and they're filming him from behind, and they figured, well, if we see his face in the mirror, the only way we can convince people it's Bruce Lee is we will literally tape a photo of Bruce Lee's face onto the mirror. And try to and line up his body so it's on top of it, and... Nobody oh, will notice. Oh, and it's all <laughs> you can see. You can see the tape. It's like it's they didn't even oh, try. Um, yeah. But if you go back and search out some of these films, um, there's some, I mean, the plots in them are usually, you know, not really worth writing home. They're a lot of fun. There's a lot of culture in there that we probably don't truly understand, but mm -hmm. which is still pretty cool. These films really influenced a lot of action in the West. Oh, they yeah. also influenced a lot of the early 70 ones, influenced latecomers like uh, Jackie Chan mm -hmm. and Sammo Hung. And those films, if you have not seen Jackie Chan, and I know we're going way off yeah. base here, but if you have not seen Jackie Chan's bigger films, watch him because, uh, yeah, they don't speed anything up and he doesn't have a stunt double. Yeah. When it's... Jackie throws himself across the street from one balcony to another, he actually does it. Yeah. Jackie Chan had most of his best movies are the ones that are actually done in Hong Kong. Yep. Things like Drunken Master 2, The Legend of Drunken Master, Super Cop, Armor yep. of God. Police Story. Yep. They're hard to find. They're a little harder to find because they, they are, they're not American-made movies. Right. But he couldn't make, he only could make a few movies here in the old days because nobody would insure him. Right. Because he always insisted on doing his own stunts and not just doing his own stunts, but it's like, oh, Jackie, that last stunt you did was crazy. Hold my beer. Yeah. Uh, and Jackie, because of the kind of guy he is, said, hey, you know all those times when I fall and hurt myself? Save that film. We'll show it during the credits oh, at the end. Yeah. It's always <laughs> amazing to watch that in a theater because you're watching the scenes and you hear the whole audience going, oh, <laughs> ooh, yeah, ah, ah. <laughs> and floop. Uh, but you would also see like, you would see the the stunt very much like it was in the film, and then suddenly everybody in the crew would rush into yeah. where Jackie had just fallen, and it's like, oh, that didn't go well. Yeah, um, I want to get back to the movie. Oh right, well, what movie. film was that no, again? I can't what are we watching? Uh, there are some sequences in there that I guess people might find offensive, but I still think are really funny. There's one; it's a parody of a black exploitation movie <laughs> that they actually turn into not just a black exploitation, but a Jew exploitation movie because <laughs> that was a big genre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, called Cleopatra Schwartz, and it's a pre you know it's a preview. So it, it's she was six feet of black dynamite. He was a short Hasidic Jew, <laughs> and they they get married and form apparently a crime fighting team. 
and it's hilarious. Well, these are based on some some films, uh, Cleopatra Jones, yep. and apparently Cleopatra Jones and the Casino of Gold, yeah, which yeah. quite honestly sounds like the sequel to Alan Quartermain that no one ever wanted. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know who Alan Quartermain is, good. Yep, and there is a scene. Uh, which is, I think it's just called The Sex Record. Where, <laughs> yeah. Where two people, which is arguably, possibly the second best sequence in the film. It is hilarious. It really is. It's basically two people trying about to get intimate and they're using well, a but, record right. that is going to, that is coaching them. Yeah. And it's just things like, you know, the man, the male may now say, A, I love you. B, I need you. C, I want you. To which he entirely replies, <laughs> the woman may say, you know, the woman may say I want you now I want you now I want you now I want you now Recuerdos a todos Recuerdos a todos Recuerdos a todos Recuerdos a todos It's brilliant I won't spoil the end but Yeah it's this is uh, it's only an hour and a half folks go watch it Yeah uh, that's when they're at their best when they've got when they really go for the absurd Yeah when they just not just not really surreal, but just nuts. Yeah. Or the little surprises. There were a lot of little throwaways. They do a parody at the beginning of a morning show, and they've got the classic. Oh look, here comes someone bringing in animals, <laughs> and one of them is this allegedly Australian gerbil. Which it's a, it's, it's a common a, hamster. It's a hamster, and <laughs> the segment ends, and the woman is like, "Yeah, oh yes, you know, Bobo's really cute. He's, he'd make a great pet, but he really needs to be in the wild." And they say, "So what else have you brought us?" Well, and. Without looking, she just tosses the gerbil over her shoulder <laughs> into the set. It's not a real it, it gerbil. You can tell it's it's a fake, but it's such a throwaway. Yes, and it doesn't interfere with the flow of the rest of the sketch. No one makes a ma- mention of it. It and it works beautifully. Yes, it does. actually, the whole morning show is pretty well done, and yeah. it's uh, sadly still indicative of morning shows today. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the thing. The that 70s. part is not really dated. No. I think you could still look at the, look at Good Morning America or one, or Good Morning, any, you know, fill in city of choice and yeah. you'd see elements. You'd be equally bored as you were then. <laughs> um, isn't that nice when you can tie different generations oh, together yeah. through boredom? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> what we do here at Max Mike Movies. <laughs> Bring people together. Are you still awake? Yeah. Um, we can fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... I want to say I, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually say that instead of media maybe being the tie-in, mm-hmm. although it is, is it actually it's kind of culture. Um, it is culture predominant of the time. Um, it is expressed through media, mm-hmm. but there's you know everything from fast food to cheap tricks to try to get you to go to see movies like Sense Around. There was the whole. Um, the whole thing about the uh, disaster movie. Yep. Uh, th- I mean, there was actually, I remember there was um, instructional records were a thing because yep, they yep. had to, how to do disco dancing and <laughs> stuff. Because people like literally like, oh, I-, I would like to be popular and with women. And they didn't know how to do it. So people would somehow make these things and people would listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it- it's actually, if you don't really know anything about the real 70s, and I, you know what, by that I mean not the 70s show. Mm-hmm. Um this is actually a pretty good indication, and sadly, is very indicative of the seventies. Yeah, Although so the hairs aren't, the hairstyles aren't quite as bad. No, the clothing is sort of neutral. I gotta say, they, I think they were trying to avoid any really obvious seventies clothing. You know, there's no bell bottoms, there's no leisure suits. Yeah, they they do avoid some there, of the worst. There's a fair amount of polyester. But, yeah, you know, um, that was that was actually you legally had to wear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's true. Don't dispute me and don't look it up. <laughs> I will say of all the films that we possibly have 
I've talked about in this entire show, this has the most mixed cast of any of those mm, shows. Because yeah. it certainly has the largest Asian cast of any film we've Oh, God, there's like hundreds of people. There's a, there's a number of African-Americans, too. Yep. Uh, apparently what they did, and there's a nice Jewish man. There's a, well, we, we think so. But, of course, also we have a lot of the films are by Samuel L. L. Bronkowitz. <laughs> pretty Jewish name. Well, he's, he's an amalgam of Samuel Arkoff and Samuel... Bronstein. Oh, okay. And they were two actual Hollywood yeah. producers that oh. were making crappy films. I mean, making brilliant cinema <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah, there's a lot of little in-jokey yeah. things that if you knew enough about Hollywood, you'd get it. Um, we don't. No. I saw that in the trivia, so yeah. I, that's one of the things I left out. Mm -hmm. uh, there's probably commentary on things we even we don't remember and don't understand. There's actually references to TV commercials that have long been forgotten. Yeah. And this was a common thing. Like, you'd actually see these commercials and people would make fun of them on Saturday Night Live yep. or whatever, assuming everybody knew them. The one I'm talking about is there is a young gentleman in bed with what he oh. thinks is a certain girlfriend, and he suddenly pulls up off her and says, you know, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Burke, so yeah. I thought you were Dale. And, and she looks at the camera and goes, you know, people often confuse me for my teenage daughter, Dale. Yeah. Which I believe was what an Oil of Olay commercial? Nope. Grape Nuts. Grape Nuts. Oh, <laughs> Does anybody even wow. remember what Grape Nuts are? And no, I'm not What's talking. What's the deal with Grape Nuts? There's no grapes. There's no nuts. Oh, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, it was it, this horrible cereal that was, was basically like, okay, gravel. you know this you know this stuff on sandpaper? Yeah. Right. Remove the paper and leave that stuff and pour milk on it. And that was Pretty Grape much. Nuts. Saturday Night Live did a parody of that called Quarry, which, <laughs> yeah. which was literally a box of stones. It was the only cereal that literally was always crunchy in milk. That stuff wouldn't soak up anything. No, no. If you left it in milk for an hour and a half. <laughs> as and you I, do. As I did, because that was the only way I could eat it. And that's how they make muesli. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then it would get, well, softer. I thought you were going to say suspect. I yeah. would have agreed with that. It was pretty suspect, yeah. Um, so there... There is a lot to be said for this film. Yeah, um, there's also it's, it's also very timely. It, it's very time indicative. It's yes. interesting for the seventies. Yeah, and you know it's entirely possible that that those of you that are, shall we say, half our age, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at a lot of my coworkers. Well, I'm not looking at you, but well, you can't tell that I'm not looking at you. But oh boy, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I you're, promise. You're, you're you're digging the hole deeper. Um, Ooh, I can barely see over the top. <laughs> uh, so for the yeah for the younger mm. set, my feeling is that watching this you're gonna go uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah because a lot of this stuff has been redone yeah although i'd still the courtroom scene the court courtroom, courtroom is stories. really funny sadly and, nobody's gonna know it's like who are the two guys in the in the yeah. jury i don't get it you yeah know? yeah there's um, there, again a bunch of jokes you won't get but you'll also get to see at least one actor who showed up in air in the airplane movies and that was steven's uh stucker i think his name is and he was the he's the court stenographer oh. and he's the one who plays Johnny. The one you know, the one who's you know, the fog's getting thicker. And Leon's getting larger. The tower, Rapunzel. That, that guy. Uh yeah, he was he actually I think I remember correctly died young. Yeah. Um, which yeah, is sad. Did. Uh and I, you know, I I have a, a big soft spot for that absurd humor. Like mm. when you just pull weird stuff out of nowhere. But it's, it can't just be totally random, and it still works. Yeah. Um, Monty Python was obviously really good at that. Oh, yeah. um, perhaps, uh, I would say, much better than the Zucker and Abrams yeah. people. But that kind of humor, if you can balance that well, can really throw people for a loop. And, of course, the biggest part of, of uh, comedy, besides... Um, uh, timing! Oh, timing! Is surprise, <laughs> right? So... 
Anyway, that's... Surprise! Ah! Crap. Sorry. <laughs> You've scared our audience. Hello, are you still there, audience? Timing. No. Hello, yeah. audience. You won't believe this, audience. Uh, are you listening, audience? Uh, so it's, it's, it's a sketch film. Um, the sketches are more or less connected. I will say mostly less. Mm. They really don't have anything to do with anything um, except media or culture. But that's a pretty thin thread to... Thread. Thin thread. Toy thin, boat, thin toy thread, boat, thin toy thread, boat. thin thread. Um, those are pretty thin, thin things to connect these sketches with. Um, mm. And you may wonder why is this a movie as opposed to it? Well, seriously, yeah. like why is this not a TV special or something? It well, and I'll give you three, uh, five words: Catholic high school girls <laughs> in trouble. Yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff in this that they could not do on TV. They you will couldn't. never hear the squeaky noise again the same. No, way. no. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I or, will say or the closing sketch. Yeah, the yeah. closing sketch, which yeah, apparently news, was... I think it's called. Yeah, it was apparently uh, taken from a, a... I don't remember the name of the show, but it was an yeah. Irish show done in 1971 that did the same thing. Although Basic premise of the sketch, excuse me for jumping in there. How but, they filmed it and broadcast it. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's well, it's one of the reasons I got an R. Well, basically, here's the idea. It's not yeah. giving away too much, but yeah. there is a couple, and they're trying to get... Intimate. Intimate. The, the woman says, oh, I'm, I'm not interested. Let's turn on the TV. So they turn on the TV. It's the evening news. Apparently, the evening news is what she needed to get going uh, because uh, she suddenly becomes interested when the advances start again. There's Meanwhile, there's a man reading the news on the TV show. I think the fact that, isn't that uh, one of the, no, no, that's right. The Abrams, no. Abrams, Zucker, and Zucker appear on the TV, but that's right. They don't right. speak. No. Yeah. So as things start getting a little hotter and heavier, and as actually one particular moment when um, the young lady has been disrobed, suddenly you realize that the man reading the news can see what's going on. From the television. From the television. Which is, let's face it, all of our nightmares. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a bit I saw. Uh, what It's actually, it's a Johnny Carson bit I saw in the background of yeah. a Columbo episode. <laughs> and Pearl okay. Bailey, none of you will remember who she is yeah. Pearl Bailey is the guest, mm -hmm. and she she sort of intimates that she likes to watch Johnny Carson uh -huh. during that when he's on, which was eleven thirty to one, mm -hmm. and that he might have been on during some of her more amorous ah, moments. Okay, and what Johnny then says is, "What you don't know is we can actually see out," <laughs> and you know this was yeah. considered you know a nightmare, so yeah. I, it may have come from that too. Okay, but uh, yeah, and so things proceed, and the the newscasters get more and more interested, and louder. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just that kind of humor, which you don't really see so much anymore. I mean, this film would never be made today. Not not because Probably of not. not because of the the few racial injustices, and there are a few. Not because of the nudity, um, which there's quite a lot of, um, but just because. No, and at the time, nobody wanted it either. It's like you're not. We're not going to take a risk on. Nobody wants to see sketch comedy in a film, mm. which, as it turns out, was not true. <laughs> Yeah, it may come back, but nowadays mostly yo sketch comedy is the the purview of TV and the internet. Yeah, pretty. In fact, you may out there listening have your own sketch comedy show. You might because you can, um, which is just we'd like love us. to guest on it. Yes, uh, well, certain parts, not right, not yeah. the naked parts. No, not, no, 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 no. Really, yeah. that's both for our sake and yours. Mostly for yours, yeah, dear listeners. The roundup. I think I've run out of stuff to yeah. say in general, but yeah. so how do we wrap this up? So, Max, this yeah. was my choice as a guilty yep. pleasure. I think it's a good choice. I, I have never felt guilty about it, except it is kind of juvenile. I suppose as, you know, a middle-aged man, it's a, something 
that uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to admit to liking. I do like it. I think it's hilarious. I don't get tired of it. I've watched it a dozen times. And uh, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I think that, and I have to guess here because obviously I don't know, but I have this feeling that this is much more of a guy film. Um, I'm I'm feeling, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm feeling that the straight guy's girlfriends would not find this quite so amusing because of its infantility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a word? Uh, infantile, uh, infantile nature, I guess. But I don't know if infantility. I like infantility. It sounds sort of like baby death. Oh, God. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so then, that's we'll not use that word. No, no uh, that uh, is not going to be our new catchphrase. No, <laughs> we know, uh, you know. I haven't asked this in a number of weeks, but what is it's up with Zangief's ass? That's <laughs> a good question, and we still do not know. No, but toss, uh, don't stack. Please, um. <laughs> say, say, uh, give a hoot. Yeah. Um, I'm in this. I'm in the same boat. Um, there is. Lots of things to say. Don't watch this film. It's crudely made. You can almost see the scotch tape. Uh, it's grainy. It's. I will say this: it's fast, except for, except for Fistful yeah. of Yen. Um, so if you don't like this bit, hey, wait like two minutes; it'll be over mm-hmm. or less. Some of them are. I think they said in the trivia the shortest bit is four seconds long. <laughs> Um, which is one of the nice things about sketch comedy is like if you don't like it, it ain't going to be here forever. Yeah. yeah, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. Exactly. Um, it is. It, I think it's worth seeing. It is crude. Of, I think it's funny as hell. It has. It has. Um, Max says it has suggestive sex in it. I'd say it's pretty much in your face and squeaking, uh, but that's you know the two of us there. Yeah, but it's more like say Cinemax at night sex, Skinemax. rather than actual hardcore. You can see everything sex. Or for those of you who are from the Massachusetts area, Starcase. Uh, oh boy, yeah, <laughs> that both dates us and hit pins us geographically. Yeah, you know if you sit there and adjust the horizontal hold, you can almost see a baked naked breast. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Uh, so that brings us to the end of another series. Yes, it does. And a quandary, because mm. I will freely admit, Max and I have no idea what we're doing next week. Lack of a clue. <laughs> Lack of anything resembling a clue. We don't know what we're going to do next. No, but we will have a show yes. of some sort. Species. I think it's still going to be rather rectangular. Probably, we'll see. probably. Uh, I, but I'm hey, hoping for rounded corners. There is a show we are going to have coming up that was suggested by a listener. Yeah. If you would like to suggest things we can do, not necessarily to ourselves, but mm-hmm. on our show. Yeah, yeah. Please remember, don't suggest things for us to do to ourselves. Y- yeah. You know, that involve death and yeah. dismemberment. Yeah. Uh, I would say go ahead and use that email address, us at maxmikemovies.com. Yep. Send us a suggestion. We yeah. may use it. If we do, we will use your name in the show, and you will get at least as much as we do for making it. Absolutely. In fact, we'll double it. Sure. <laughs> but until we figure out what the until- heck we're doing next week and what is what the heck is with, with those beards. beards. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get some water, please? I'd like to tie the, the, the labor minister from Brixton. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought so- we just sold each other fish. <laughs>